Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host Jeremy and joining me this week is my co-host Afif who is currently knocking over a child's set of uh, wooden playing cards that they've been building into a house. It's those damn dwarven miners. Are you... Are, so, wait, a dwarven <laughs> child or a dwarven person? It was a throwback. A you mentioned dwarven miners in the last episode, and I was going to make, like, a minor joke, and then it, it there wasn't a good time for it. And then you for forgot. It, so. Yeah. Those, so you know what? There's it, never, there's the never a good episode. time to make jokes about miners. That's true. As a teacher, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, we are talking about Arcane, Season 1, Episode 6, When These Walls Come Tumbling Down. And every time I hear that, I want to say, When the walls came tumbling down. And the t- I don't know the rest of the song. Uh, in this episode, an eager protege undermines his mentor and the council as a magical tech rapidly evolves with authorities in pursuit. Jinx must face her past. I disagree with that second sentence, but sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our girls, the sisters, finally meet again. It's been three episodes. They, they do. They that was. Not, it's not till yeah. the end, though. Not till later. No, it's not till the end. I love that sequence at the end. I thought that was really cool. Which one? The um, fight or the fight? Yeah, yeah. But we get so much stuff before that, of course. Um. Oh, no, you like the little montage with the the smoke as well. But, okay, so we get a lot more of Victor backstory this time. Yes, we get little little kid Victor. Yeah. Who's adorable, yeah. Yeah, and he's got a little toy boat. And I, okay, this sequence where he puts the boat in the river and it goes downstream and he's trying to catch up with it and he can't because he's a cripple, um, that kind of thing. I really enjoyed, not because I like seeing children suffer, um, but because it was that element of his inventions are always outpacing him, that they do things that he is not expecting and he can't keep up with. Like, the, it's out of his hands once he's created it and it can cause major problems. Yeah. And that, I thought, was just perfect, a perfect metaphor. Yeah, I totally saw that same thing. Yeah, Definitely. I know you're you're yeah. a smart you're a smart man. You, you I mean, I do you kind of wonder. That, but... <laughs> it's it's a city full of inventors. So I kind of wonder what like the other people have invented and stuff like that. You know, like because everyone's doing it. Like, what other kind of wacky contraptions have people come up with? Well, didn't um, Jace's parents like make the hammer or something? Did they, did they make the hammer? Were there no hammers before I don't know. them, or were they? Just... He ha- he has that line. Were they just where a, he's prominent, like, yeah, a prominent, yeah, prominent hammer family? Yeah, because yeah. he says that my. Well, is he saying my descendants or my father's? I don't know. He says no, it's they like, gave it's the def- city they did make they hammers. Built... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Maybe they invented the hammer. Maybe like yeah, like two generations back, it was like literally just like rocks. They just had like sticks <laughs> and stones. It's it's been very rapid very rapid i'm on board with that honestly it makes more sense if people were using magic before that and it does seem like there was like some sort of cataclysm of magic so maybe they were taken back down to a stone age level uh they weren't <laughs> Spo- sure. not, not a spoiler not a spoiler 
that's not a spoiler, but in terms of league history, that's not how that worked, but sure. We we've established and you can just rewrite league history whenever you feel like it. So That is very true as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh um much did happen in this episode because we got Victor's little thing, um Vi and Well it was it's like Caitlin the end of out. the act. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's it was kind of the same, I think, in the other like end of the act where Oh, actually no. The last one there was a lot of stuff happening. It kind of there felt was like a lot episode... of stuff happening in the last act. Yeah, yeah, I think it felt like the it, it did feel like a setup episode though. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of yeah. building up to stuff, yeah. But maybe that's just think... an act 2 for the series kind of thing, like. I think that's what it is. It's an act 2 end where yeah. it's like we've put all the pieces on the board. We know something we're at the lowest point. Like the sisters reunite, but then they lose each other again and they don't trust each other. And there's Jinx yeah. is going crazy, but also Jace has betrayed his ideals and kicked Heimerdinger off his council. <sighs> Paul Heimerdinger. He's just, right. he's just trying to be a good guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, although he's, he is very condescending. Yeah. And I think that's like, again, this is part of what makes the series so great is that it's not like no, none of it is black and white. Even like Silco, the big bad is very much, he's very empathetic in certain ways. And yeah. Yeah. Um, you can kind of see where he's coming from, but also like you really want to punch him in the face. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he has those moments as well. He's such a like, most of the time, very calm, controlling, but then he has those moments as well where he's very much, he loses it um and you see that in this episode as well towards yeah. the end when they managed to get away i was thinking that when we see him just like kind of grab someone and then just stomp their head and it's just like really like this is what sets you off but yeah sure that's so cool to see him lose the cool over something what seems like a minor element to anyone else well not a minor element. i think it's you. a really nice yeah, I think it's a really nice contrast. Um, I think I'd like that type of villain who's normally very cool and composed, but then, and I think, I'm trying to think what are other good examples. I guess it's not always cool and composed, but I really liked High Evolution in Guardians 3 and how oh, he High Evolutionary, lost it. Yeah, yeah I really great. like that. Yeah. As he becomes like more, I don't want to say hysterical, but kind of. Like, yeah, he, it's, it's desperation. Hatred. Yeah. Yeah, his hatred of Rocket just him completely lose focus and judge like he can't think objectively anymore. And yeah. it um, it makes sense. Yeah, that's that's. A, I a think one, Kingpin does that as well, and I think the Daredevil series he's kind of a little bit like that. Um, There's a little bit of a moment of like that in um, the first episodes of Firefly, where you've got they've got captured a, a cop for whatever reason. And their resident priest goes to like give him some food, but the, the cop's already like got it out and he clubs the priest a couple of times. And then once he's down, he does it again. Like there's a pause and then he does it again. And just that little bit of frustration and anger suddenly says everything about this character that he will possibly kill someone just because he's, he's pissed off right now. And that yeah. same sort of aspect here with, with Silco, it's like, once he's been set off, he is just violence and he won't stop until like somebody's face is mush. And that's just, you, you just got to deal with that sometimes. And that's why he's scary because you don't know what will set him off. Yeah. And I think it also helps to kind of humanize him and 
because he gives off the air of like always being in control, always like planning for everything. But mm. it shows that he very much isn't in control of everything, right? Like he's he is fallible. He isn't, you know, all powerful. That's the kind of character that I actually tried to make with a rogue, but somewhat less successful. I want him. I I'd much rather have him be the Silco that we normally see, that calm, cool, collected industrialist. That's what he aspires to. But in reality, he's just this thug from the gutter. And that if you scratch yeah. him a little bit too deeply, you see that thug very clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a fun character. I do like to have it as a player character, but also as a like an NPC villain. I think they're good. It's a good dynamic to have. Like it's a fun dynamic to play with, I mean. Yeah. Mm. Um we also see some more of the kind of creepy scientist dude that oh, he yeah. was in the Is he first... just called the doctor? Uh he has a real name because he's actually a, a champion from League of Legends. Um I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> um yeah, he was in the first couple of episodes and then he's just not not been in any, I think, until now. Well, it seemed like in the third episode when Jinx blew well, sorry, Powder back then blew everything up, he was caught in it as well because the uh, the shimmer went up. But clearly he Oh, wasn't. that's right. Yeah, he was. Now that we yeah. see him here. Yeah. But I like that um, he's back. He's, he was like a creepy he was like the um the tinkerer in Spider Man Homecoming, where he's just this villain working for a bigger villain, but he's actually like a threat and a, a problem in his own right. Yeah, and it's a nice way to tie it all together as well, because I think there hasn't been a lot of connection between, like, the Jace stuff and the kind of Vi and Jinx stuff. There's just, at the moment, it's just Caitlyn very vaguely, but they're still very distinct kind of storylines. But now we begin to see, you know, they're kind of blending together a little bit more, which I quite like, yeah. Well, there's that connection that, that Jinx is trying to re- like weaponize the the hex tech, and keeps coming across Jace's stuff. Like that's what kicked off the whole story in the first place when they stole from Jace. Yeah, but there hasn't really been interaction between them. Like their stories yeah, yeah. are separate, apart from like occasionally drifting in. And now it's like no, no, it's all one story interweaved. But I I like that that element to it. Um, what's the weird salamander thing that this doctor? man uh i don't know but it's it's very adorable <laughs> it's yeah very cute and until it's hooked up to a machine a, and has yeah, shimmer at least like it was. Le- leaked out of it now i wasn't too clear because was he trying to save the creature or was he trying to save the shimmer that came out of it um i'm not sure from? it's it's very ambiguous um I think it's impl- wasn't there like a little plant though that I think the shimmer came from. Is that where? It sounds right. Yeah, that the, yeah. the creature was like super into. But again, I, I it wasn't clear why Victor was so upset. Was was the doctor making the creature sick to get it, or like was I think it just looked kind of died yeah, it just kind of looked messed up, and I think he was just upset. That the creature was being treated that way, or which is fair, it was messed up. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's a kid. Like, yeah, he's a kid. He's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, all right. All right. All right. That's that's kind of Victor's story in this, where he realizes, oh, yeah, a lot of um, I, I think a lot of either. the, a lot of the way they explain stuff or they explore the character is like through parallels. Um, yeah. So it's very much like, oh, like Victor is basically like this creature now, you know, and that's kind of the way they go about it. Yeah. That was, yeah, that's very true, where he's like this test case. Um, now, coming off that, we also see Vi get healed by the Shimmer when she and Caitlin go back down. Yeah, we see little... a lot a lot of Shimmer stuff in this episode. Yeah, um, and That seems um, to be a, a drug that a lot of people are taking so they can feel like big people again. Again, kind of ambiguous as to what it does exactly. Um, mm. It's a little bit... But I think it works, right? It's like you don't need to get into the nitty gritty of the why. It's just the it's the MacGuffin, you know. It's like it, it makes the bad guys. You want the bad guys to be strong? It's because of Shimmer. You want a bunch of drug addicts in your city? That's they're Shimmer addicts, you know. You want to close up that wound? Just give her a bit of Shimmer. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I go like see the that potion idea. seller. Yeah, and it's like don't ask where the potion comes from. Um, that was I such a great like character for such a short. Yeah. Well, I I had this whole thing about it, like the fact that that Caitlin has to trade away her gun to get the the potion. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Although yeah. oh. you'd think she'd have some cash on her, right? You think she'd have a backup weapon, or like a some jewelry or something, you know, like something like something valuable. <laughs> yeah, something else worth a, a family el- emblem or something, you know? Yeah. Like she, she takes the bullets out as well. So she's clearly maybe it's like it's the standard issue one that the enforcers just give out. So she's like, yeah, I don't care about this. <laughs> yeah, it feels like an odd choice to trade away, but that's kind of yeah. But see, that's a the thing. thing. We've seen how important her weapon is to her. Like in the last episode when she was doing the target practice, and she gives it away so Vi can be can um can stay alive because she cares about Vi so much already. Because she's horny. Like, She's not horny. It's deep. It's a good heart. She knows that Vi's got a good heart. They've known each other for like a day. Yeah. That's why she's like, you've got a good heart, Vi. She knows this about her. Also, she didn't get off at the the brothel they went to earlier in the day. So she's like, no, no, Vi can hit it up. I just need to get her healthy again. Yeah. I, I've gone hard for them being a shipper. That's um, <laughs> as a shipper. I'm just like, no, nah, that's the ship I'm on board with. Yeah, Jason you Victor. and everyone else. Yeah, everyone else. It's so, it's so there. Like, they're not even trying to hide it. Like, Well, it, I think they, it is like a, I think that's fan service. I think when those characters first came out, like, ages ago, a lot of people okay. shipped them, and so they've, they've kind of leaned into that, yeah. Oh, that's, that's more disappointing, then. If there was just, like, their dynamic in, in fiction, it'd be like, yeah, that works. But if they've just leaned into it, it's not as fun. Um, I do want to talk about Shimmer more, though. And that idea of magic as an addiction. Like, yes. To me, that was really, really fascinating that it could have, so far, all the times we've seen Shimmer, it's been very bad. It's been bad news. You don't take Shimmer. Drugs are bad, okay? And like, it'll turn you into this monster. It will fuck you up. It'll, you know, you'll lose all control. You'll die. Possibly Vander will maybe come back. You're not sure. Um, and then we see all the people who are down in these, the underbelly of even Zorn, they're addicted to Shimmer. 
it's just such a bad idea. But we also then see that it's healing. And it's like, well, maybe that's a good way to treat magic when you're running a game. That it's not the solution to everything. It can really mess you up and create so many problems for you, but you kind of need it sometimes. You really need it to to deal with life. Yeah, it's I've not I've never thought about it that way, but it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, definitely think... like a discuss about it ahead of time because you'll get yes. a lot of players that wouldn't want to deal with that. Well, I don't think maybe deal with it as an addiction, but maybe show the world if you want to have a low magic setting. Or this is why there aren't so many massive mages around. This isn't why there's like everyone's casting wish if they're wealthy enough. It's like because the cost is just too high overall. And that's why the adventurers are special because they're able to withstand it. And this is why you have evil archmages and like necromancers and stuff because they lost the path and they're just like, yeah, I'll just do whatever I want. I got magic now. Yeah. And also players are 100% addicted. Like, Oh, totally. You could imagine telling one of your wizard players, like, just go a day without casting a spell. You know, like uh-huh. that's. Uh-huh. Imagine that you can that, quit yeah. anytime you want. Yeah, press <laughs> like, digitation. Yeah. That's that's what you need. I do like the idea as well that potions, in particular, uh, particularly if you talk about pe- talk to people about it ahead of time, um, do will become addictive. That if you are downing potions all the time to keep yourself up, which is the video game way, of course that it does start to like really affect you. Like your body's like, no, no, I need a potion just to get by today. Like, otherwise all these wounds are going to start opening up again. That's a bad thing. Yeah. I need a potion of roasted bean juice. Yeah. A little bit of milk. Yeah. <laughs> because I've been having it every day for the last 10 years. Oh, uh, they've got little yeah, coffee real, carts that follow me around. Yeah. Too real. Oh, okay. That's maybe fair. All right. I like it though. <laughs> That was what um, no, I thought. Super interesting but idea. Yeah. Then that kind of tied in with the the deal that that Caitlin had to make to get the um um to get the drug to get the shimmer drug um that she had to give away the thing that does kind of matter to her the most and that immediately struck me it that immediately struck me as like a deal that you have to make with a hag like in D and D where you've got to make these yeah. the or a devil's bargain even. That you've got to give away the thing that's most important to you to get something that you need so much right now. Do you ever do you ever throw stuff like that at players, like these devil's bargains? Um, I have players that throw themselves at devil's bargains. Like I don't kind of intentionally put them in front of them, but they just go <laughs> seeking them out. It's like they can't wait to give away their soul. <laughs> There's always one player who's like, no, no, yeah. I'm fine with selling my soul. How much can I, th- I get? I think for we it? both like, know who that up? player is as well. I think we do. Yeah, I think yeah. we do. <laughs> I like that idea because the, the whole idea of devil's bargains and Faustian pacts, partly because warlocks are fun uh, for D and D, but also Blades in the Dark, which we didn't mention last week, but we will today. That runs off devil's bargains. Like you've got a lot of. Um, times where you'll be doing something that you may not necessarily have the skills to do. And it's actually built into the rules of the game that not only you, but the other players can suggest stuff like, okay, maybe you get an extra dice to roll here, but the person you're trying to seduce falls in love with you and starts stalking you. 
Like, it doesn't matter what the okay. result is. They are super into it. Yeah. And, um, or something like, okay, you succeed, but you fall off the roof. Yeah. But you got that, or you get the extra dice to try to succeed, but you're going to fall off the roof no matter what. And I like that idea. It's like that partial success um, that that works so well in many games that you, you're you not giving up your soul, but you're taking a bit of a setback to achieve a greater goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, there... in D&D, well, in D&D, I feel like it could be a really easy way of going, I'll give you advantage on this role if you accept this this setback. Okay, that's. I guess that's the easiest way to do it, yeah. Yeah. What were you going to nah, say? I dig it. No, well, I was just wondering, like, in Blades of the Dark, are there... Like, what's the magic like in Blades of the Dark? Are there kind of higher powers, or...? There's no higher powers. All the gods are dead. Um, but there are many cult... Like, everyone's kind of forgotten the gods, and there are yep. cults. So the cults could be worshipping a demon. They could just be making it up. They could be actually finding an old god that somehow managed to hold on. Whatever you want it to be. But devils right. very much exist. Uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so, devils sorry, are just for some incredibly context, powerful. Yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, I'll it's, have to it's, keep, I've, keep talking about Blades I keep going about it, yeah. I know. Because <laughs> everyone should play it. It's going to be really fun. It's so simple. It's just a fun way of doing heists. But I like... That's kind of what it struck me. Because a lot of the time when I try to give players a Faustian pact in D&D, and it's usually talking to a devil or a demon or something, or a hag in that case, the hag's like, oh, give me your luck and I'll give you everything you want. And my players go, no, it's not worth it. I don't know what that means, so it's not worth it. It's like, no, of course you don't know what it means. It's intentionally vague. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like- that's as well where, like, it's like the out-of-character stuff comes into it, and, like, how much do your players trust you as a DM? Not necessarily trust in the sense of, like, not to screw them over with a bad deal, but more... To make it interesting or make it a worthwhile kind of storytelling moment, I guess. I think my favorite one was I had a barbarian ask for something and I said, okay, all you need to do is give me part of your rage. And they were like, does that mean I won't be able to rage? I'm like, no, no. It just means every time you do violence to someone, this hag gets a little more powerful. Okay, and they're like, no, (laughs) they're like, no, no, that's not a good deal. I'm like, how is that not a good deal? It doesn't like you're not you're not affected at all. This is a great deal for you, and it's a great deal for her. Like, why don't you want to take that? Everybody wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the problem I find. This is going to be a bit of a rant on hacks. Um. They're not strong enough to actually stand up to most players in D&D. Yeah. So there's zero fear of repercussions for the players. Like, they're quite happy to just welch on whatever deal they make because they're like, oh, well, if we don't like the deal, we can just go back and kill her. It's like, no, you're not allowed to do that. She's Baba Yaga. She lives in a house on chicken legs. She can rule the world if she wants, but she doesn't. It's like, it's, it's not fair. She's only got 40 hit points. Stop it. I thought- yeah, 
I think that's the issue with the more kind of intelligence-based monsters in D&D, or the ones that aren't so kind of combat proficient, I guess. Because um, I know I had an Abolith once, and, mm. like, Aboliths aren't that strong, but no. I remember my players being, like, really scared of it. And I was really mm. surprised by that going into it. And I, so Because just of the way they reacted to it, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So I kind of mm-hmm. leaned more into that and away from kind of just what it was capable of in combat. Um, yeah. But that's because they had kind of meta knowledge, which thankfully kind of worked in my favor in this instance, right? That does help. <laughs> when It's like that idea when they discover, oh, no, that thing's a mind flayer. It's going to be so powerful. And you're like, he's got 30 hit points and he's <laughs> all by himself. Like you, six of you are going to slaughter this guy. I really hope I roll first on initiative. Oh, initiative, yeah. That's always the yeah. problem. Yeah. I think there's a lot of the stuff coming out now with the, the OGL and, and things where I think MCDM particularly says, oh, and Epic Encounters, actually, they have some creatures where they just say, this will always act first in combat. Oh, interesting. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what everyone rolls, it will get a turn before everyone else because it is an ambusher and it is what it does. It might not be a surprise round. It might not be a like advantage or like hidden attack or do natural crits, but it will act first. Yeah. Well, you can kind of do that. I guess with like, you have like lair actions and of course, legendary actions kind of help mitigate that as Mm. well. I found it interesting going through Big B's book of big boys, uh, that none of the creatures in there. Is that what it's called? No, it's Big B's. Big B presents Glory of the Giants, but Big okay. B's Book of Big Boys sounds better. I haven't. Been, um, I honestly have not been keeping up to date with their releases. So there's a lot this year. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, I remember this one was the one that had the the AI art controversy. The AI that's art, a whole yeah. Other thing. yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a good book, which is really annoying that the AI is what everyone's going to remember it for. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really quite a kind of like what the well, it is what the Fizzbands book did for dragons. This does for giants. Oh, nice. Yeah, that one was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and just having right, so options big, of big yeah, big boys. Big boys um, that none of the creatures in there have legendary actions. Oh, why? Why do you yeah. think that is? I think they're starting to move away from them. I think they're looking at. Um, more state like not stage staggered encounters where you defeat this creature in this form and then it changes into another one ah uh, okay because Wait, i do like partic- that to be honest yeah i do as well the creatures that i'm thinking of specifically that i expect to have legendary actions are called uh scions of the giant gods and the idea is that each of these creatures has a cradle that it lives in, like it might be a big egg or it might be like a guardian or something or a volcano. And you actually have to defeat that spirit before you're able to talk to or even see the scion um, because they're just so powerful. So you defeat that thing and then the scion shows up and it's like, well, it's a creature at full health and it's even more powerful than the thing that was around it. So if you're going there to destroy the thing, you get two boss fights essentially. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily mutually exclusive, but I guess... No. I they've guess still I got lair why. actions, 
but I think legendary actions are a little bit more about action economy. And I think yes. if you've got something that's big enough and powerful enough, that doesn't matter. Also true. And if it has enough stuff it can do on its own turn. Yeah. And if it's got reactions as well, it's like, well, I can do this when I get hit. Or if somebody casts a spell, I can negate it. It's like, well, that's just a legendary action by another name. Yeah. So uh, worth, was worth the buy? Good book. I'm I'm pleased with it. I'm very excited by it. I'm also running Storm King's Thunder so at the moment, so it's like, yeah, uh, I want yeah, some more giants to run. Yeah, that'll help. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be fun when I, they, I throw something a little bit bigger than the book expects at them. Speaking yeah. of throwing something bigger. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, excited to talk you. about on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a lot um, of vibes. It felt like a slow burn kind of episode. Like, it, well, it was that setup, right? It's like a lot of the setup. Yeah. Um, I like the over montage. Last... Oh, I like the montage, montage where, yeah. um, one more montage when, when Jinx likes the flare that she's, that, oh, uh, yeah. Vi said, light this and I'll find you. And then she did. And I was like, oh, the sisters are coming back together. But also that moment when, Someone bumps into Vi and she like steps up and gives him the finger and like, oh, she is from New York. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was, is just yeah, New York. That's yeah. Funny little character building, yeah. Especially because she's like injured at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's like you you um, wanna go, mate. You could wanna go. You wanna go. And Caitlin's like, Dee, come on, come on. No, you've got to you we gotta go. Yeah, another solid music montage. Um yep. I was going to say, what was I? Oh, did you recognize the Shimmer Addict who was like... I did. He was in the first episode and he was saved by Vanda. Yeah, he was that guy. I didn't recognize him the first time I watched it. But this time, no, I reckon, yeah. I remembered him from the first episode because I've seen the first episode a couple of times now because I'm lazy and always watch the first episode of a show and it's like, oh, yeah, I come back to it a few times. Um I recognized it. I saw him there and I'm like, oh, he's getting a bit more focused than I'd expect. He's probably going to show up later. And then when he did show up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. I remember him. It's that guy. Yeah. That's a nice little touch, too, just recurring NPCs. Yeah, honestly, even in just like minor roles, if you have the same, there's no harm in just reusing NPCs. The players yeah. like it, I think. Players it's like less names to. Less names to remember. Yeah, that's true. This is why Star Wars like has only like eight characters that actually get speaking parts because it's just yeah, this is the person you remember. Oh, I did like um, when they were in the council and they were having the vote on kicking Heimerdinger out. Yes, there's that very dramatic. There's like the thunk. You hear the clunk of a lever, and you see the spotlight appears on a council member. And yeah. I'm like, whose job is it? <laughs> like, who's the guy who's just sitting there watching the council meeting and is, like, running around pulling levers to turn on all these lights? I reckon it's a motion sensor. No, I don't think so. I reckon you that's a... So? They've got some oh, poor okay. Zornite kid there, like... Yeah. Because the same thing happened when they were voting on Jace's uh, exile. Yeah. It's very dramatic. They're very dramatic yeah. in Piltover. I love that his um his his hand up was very half-hearted, even though he called for the vote. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh now you're getting second thoughts. Yeah, 
When he did that, with that, I was a little bit like, oh, are you just like checking the room, like feeling the vibes here? Is that why you're not going to vote for him? It's like, oh, yeah, I was, just, I was just in the mood for it. I, but it's got a unanimous, so I'm going to decide not to vote. Oh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> I get Heimerdinger. I guess you know where everyone else stands, don't you? Yeah, it's just shit stirring, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I don't. I think it went a little too quickly into Jace giving up all of his his um, ideals to save Victor. Uh, yeah, I think the Jace arc is kind of a bit quick, but I guess he's kind of not the main focus, yeah. Yeah. Like, I understand that he, he when he's got, he's like a brother to me. I'm like, a brother you fuck? Because that's the way it's coming <laughs> off at the moment. Well, what do you think about like, Mel? I used to think, until this episode, I thought Mel was head bitch in charge. And now I'm like, oh, you're just as damaged as everyone else. And yeah, because this is was where she's this like, episode oh, I'm... where she was painting, or was that the last, the last horny episode? I think it's this episode. Because I remember looking at the paint, I'm like, oh, this looks so good. I think these last couple episodes, mm. I remember just looking at them and thinking, it's so pretty. This show, this show is so, so pretty. pretty, so pretty. No, I think this episode's where Jace comes over and she's like super mad and like. It's fine. You could leave me in bed all by myself. It's it's not a problem. Um, and then when he's like, "I just came to you and feel like everything's good with you," she's like, "Oh, you do love me, and my like my family never could." I'm like, "Oh, sweetie." Also, does she That's have not... tattoos of gold? Like, what is that? I think so. Yeah, That's kind of baller, honestly. That's also yeah. Def- I'm definitely gonna steal that for for yourself. I feel it could be expensive. Yes. Yeah. Magical tattoos. There you go. Magical tattoos. Yeah. That are just gold and shiny. Yeah. What do you think they do? Well, no, because the one there's the ones under her eyelids, which seems to disappear, but the ones on her shoulders are still there. Well, she's got the little kind of like the freckles, like as well. Yeah. Um. So I'm no. Yeah. I'm like. There's all the stuff on her back and shoulders. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I like her more. And also a little bit less, because I don't. Do you like think she's her... good or bad or like what? No, I think she's What's self vibe, self interested. Yeah. I think she's there for her, um, and I'm worried for her because Jace is being a dick, and I suspect she. I don't, I think she's going to still come out on top, for her. Uh, simply because I suspect she's in the game. She is in the game, isn't she? Oh, swing and a miss. Oh, they get a killer. That sucks. Oh, well. She sh- someone from the Madado house is in the game, isn't it? Uh, her brother is in the card game. Yeah, that's what I thought. Jay Madada. Jay Madada. Mel Madada, much cooler name, just saying. Yeah, it, the first episode it seemed like she had it all together, and then she had sex with Jace, and suddenly she's like, "Oh, I I really like being with you, Jace." It's like that's bad writing. <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't really know much about her. She definitely feels like a a lot more of a background character compared to everyone else. She yeah. doesn't get enough time to, which is fair. There's a lot of characters, so there is. Speaking of a lot of characters, that um, final fight scene. With Jinx yeah. and Caitlyn and and Vi, I like that one because it had the opportunity. They're still enemies. Like Jinx is 
going crazy and pointing a gun at Caitlin and also at Vi. But then when the firelights show up, they're fighting against those. And that to me is a really cool action encounter for any game. I think it was a really good, like, chaotic fight, right? Like, there's a lot yeah. of parties and you're not really sure who's on which side. Uh, I think that's really fun. Yeah. And the fact that they're not working together either is kind of why they fail. Yeah, like and because it, it's combat and it's it's like you don't have much time. And I think that's probably, I don't usually do it, but I think that would be a combat where I would be very strict about like players talking to each other out of out of turn order and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I'd want there to be like maximum chaos and like minimum kind of uh, communication. I'd even put a time limit on people's turns in that. I'd say yeah, if you can't if you, wanted your, to if you can't declare what up. your action is in a in under 40 seconds, you don't get to do anything. Yeah. Because that really struck me as this needs to be frenetic, it needs to be hectic. You need to know not know what the solution is. You can't plan everything out because it's all happening split second and it's just a constant wave after wave after wave of stuff getting thrown at you. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the firelights? What's your vibe check on the firelights? I suspect that they are well-intentioned extremists. Oh, like everyone. <laughs> everyone. Yeah, like everyone in this. Yeah, like it's everyone, like, yeah. They've got, they're like, Pat Shimmer's bad, but also we need to kill everyone. It's like, ooh, okay, that's probably not a not a good take. Um, But the fight is just so good because it's all so, so cool. visually distinct, I think. It's a yeah. lot of little moments that just they pay enough attention to those little moments there's the bit where like you see the same kind of like crystal grenade type thing like this time jinx shoots it and explodes midair there's the bit where jinx there's like the guy's gonna like about to like land on top of her and she like just tilts her head just to the side to avoid the swing um just the little yeah those little moments there was a moment um, in Ahsoka which, that had that same vibe, actually. Yeah. Well, what was it? Yeah. We'll talk about the, just the same sort of style. Like someone throws a lightsaber and then starts to run and Ahsoka just like slowly walks after and just tilts her head as the lightsaber flies back to their hand. And it's like not even <laughs> looking at where it was coming from. So like, no, I just know it's coming and I, it's not going to hit me. I'm good. Um, but it feels like that's what a, a combat feels like in d and I think, where or any yeah. turn-based game where it is just like, bit by bit um because sometimes they'll be like i guess if they have multi-attack i'll usually let the whole kind of i'll let them roll all their attacks and do all that stuff and then describe all of that as one chunk but between turns obviously it's these little chunks together um so you got to describe it kind of bit by bit by bit and i think that's kind of a great that fight scene is a great kind of visual example of how it doesn't have to be boring or have to feel disjointed mm. By just having these little bits together, it can still feel really epic. I think also about that is it was very fast. Like, I don't think it was more than, it can't be more than 90 seconds of screen time. No, it was, a, it was a short fight, yeah. yeah. And that, to me, felt very D&D or Cyberpunk for that regard either, where it's like all of these things were happening in like two, three-second chunks. And that's how a combat folds out. Like you were saying, it all happened. Like you describe it, and then it's it's moving on. So it is that sudden, quick violence, and Caitlin, Vi get knocked out, get kidnapped again, 
Vi always getting abducted and abandoning her sister. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then it's done. You're out. You're not, you know, just short, short, brutal violence. Yeah. There's a thing. The have you ever played? It's called Super Hot. A video oh, game. Oh, I think you've told me about this. It's the one where it's- you're moving in slow motion. Yeah. And it's like an FPS. Um, you move in slow motion. Basically, time only moves when you move, essentially. So you can kind of like stand still and assess the situation and then just move little bits at a time. And usually the way you play it is you're only moving these little bits at a time. And you're like, it's very like John Wick. You like pick up a gun, shoot one guy and then do this. Um, but then at the end of each level, once you've done it, it replays the whole level in real time. So you see it all happening like yeah. super quick. And it's like, oh, that's like really cool. Yeah. So you kind of get the, the best of both worlds. You get to see how it looks to everyone else. Yeah, like, essentially. Yeah. I think we were talking about this with Edge Runners in regards to the. Um, oh, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And that, that struck me as a, as a good, good example of it, too. But yeah, I think. So Cyberpunk Edge Runners did a lot of re showing everything from different angles. So you got to experience it a little bit more. And I think this had that same sort of style where you had the traditional montage look of a combat where you'd see someone throw something and then you'd cut to the point of view of it coming towards whoever was getting thrown at. Like I'm thinking that that's that crystal grenade specifically. And yeah, I want to make, I want to make rules for that crystal grenade. That were awesome. Um, but you kind of are able to follow the action very simply because of that. Like you can see something in the background and it's, you're not getting lost of just this blur of noise. So it is very clear about what's occurring, uh, even as it moves very fast. Yeah. It was cool. Um, There's also a cool bit at the very end. I think when Vi and Caitlin were escaping and they were like climbing into the tunnel and then they were like loading bullets at the same time. I thought that was a cute, cool little shot. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was, was it, were they loading bullets or was, um, was no, it was the, it was the enforcers because it was like oh, moving yes. away. This was like after the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I like that. Some, bit. Yeah. That was the montage with the, um, with their closing down the bridges and like, yeah, it was like uh, before Jinx they lighting met up Jinx. the flare. Yeah. Yeah. But she's lit up the flare and she gets to see it. And that was, that was a cool sequence. That was very, one problem with that is I was so invested in the fight and the discussion with, um, with Silco and, and Vi. I forgot that they were closing the bridges and this was going to be a huge deal. So I'm like, wait, what yeah. are the enforcers doing? Why are they turning on light? What's going Oh, oh, right. Right, 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 right. Now I remember. Yeah. Um, which comes up. I think that's the setup that they're kind of, they're setting up for the next episode. Yeah. Now uh, it's starting to be Marcus the same as thing well. He's happened. got his little, he's got his yeah. little kid as well. He's got his kid. Silco throwing doesn't him look charge, anything like him. Fuck. Yeah, I had questions about that. Yeah. Is she adopted? Is she like a foundling? I believe it'd be a foundling. Like he lost a bunch of other people when when um what's her face died. Yeah. But um I want to go back to last week for a moment. There's that moment when Silco gives him the the grenade to blame all of Jinx's attacks on the firelights. And he has that moment of thinking, what if I just pulled the pin now and killed Silco with me? Yeah. 
And I was like, that's fucking awesome. That's a great way of oh, showing yeah. it. Like, I realize it's a dream sequence, but it's also just a cool element of showing where his head's at. Like, he it's, realizes this is the best option, but I can't do it. It's so good because it's so unexpected as well. It really... And it's it's just short. It's short and sweet, and it just throws you for a loop, though, because you're not expecting it. And you think... At first, you think it's actually happened. Um, yeah. But then very quickly, yeah. And then even the fact that it hasn't happened and the fact that he doesn't decide to go through with it is also just as impactful, you know? I think because it sees where his state of mind is, that he's not just some corrupt cop. He's, like, just in a shitty situation that he doesn't know how to get out of now. Yeah. Feel for Marcus. It's poor Marcus. Poor poor um, Australian actor. Australians, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Australians in anime, it's like it's not great for them. Um, I can't believe they didn't. I can't oh. believe they didn't make him come from Zorn. Like, yeah, because well, having he's, from Down he's Under from would be perfect. Down Under, yeah, exactly. Down Under, the Down, Down Under Dark. As I said, this is why all my drow speak like bogans. Yeah, I think because I think Borderlands did that dark. as well. Where Borderlands, yeah. they had like everyone from the Moon Colony just had an Australian accent for some reason. Like, sure. Because they're a penal colony, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I found um, I found the Terror Australis book for Call of Cthulhu, and I really want to run like a Australian Call of Cthulhu game um, in the 1920s. And I realized I don't know what people sounded like then. Was it still like really British? I asked because you were there, right? You're like 80 to- 89 or something. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those dwarven miners you keep hearing about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, anyway, I think that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um. So, nothing else to to mention from the episode. Anything that to, I'm, I don't I'm think out. this. I'm, I'm I think the. I, I know, like the the last couple of episodes are some real. There's some real bangers in there. So I think this is like the the calm before the storm. Good to know. I'm excited for. Uh, then we're up there uh, with only one thing left to do, and that is pick the character who had the crit hit or the crit fail for the episode. Uh, I've got mine, unlike last week, where I had to pick it on air. Uh, but I'm going to make a thief go first anyway, because I feel like you've you've got one sorted. Um, sure. I don't yeah. think I considered it for Caitlin giving away her gun for a potion. I feel like that's yeah. She got really ripped off there but she still got the potion so i wouldn't say it's a nah, fail i don't think it's a fail that was um, a that was a fair choice like it wasn't a great deal but she's like this is the only deal that's just a low make. roll it's not a yeah. yeah yeah um i think maybe vi punching the structure and making it collapse was pretty oh, yeah that, I, I could see that as the dm not expecting it right it's like yeah i'll let you <laughs> sure i'll let you punch the building down sure sure and then okay <laughs> it's like, uh and then she hit the nat 20 so I'll, I'll give yeah. it to Vi for that, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I am going to give the crit fail to Caitlin. Uh, not for the, the gun trade, but for the insight roll on the druggie, on the shimmer dude. Where <laughs> she's like, oh, why are you helping us? Oh, I'm just a nice person. It's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out so well. Like, um, It's because she's... She's so sweet. She's good. She's pure. She's a cupcake. She's a cupcake. Do does anyone call her cupcake in the game? Um, I don't think so. 
She's got one of her abilities. One of her abilities is she has like a bear trap type thing. And in the middle of the bear trap is a cupcake. Well, there you go. That's enough reason to call it. This is the more I learn about the characters in the game, the less I like what they've written by now. Okay. Like, I thought it was just this nice little, they had no connection whatsoever, but they just like, yeah, let's do this because it'd be cool. And I was like, oh no, people just ship them. So we're going to ride them shippily. It's like, no, that's just fanfic. I can read that anywhere. I don't need an awesome show about it. It's oh, true. Yeah. That's true. Anyway, um, that is where we're going to wrap up our episode. Tune in next week so we can talk about episode seven, The Boy's Savior. Savior is spelt the American way, and I don't like it. Um, but subscribe, even if you are American, we forgive you. And I'm just alienating listeners left and right right now. <laughs> um, that's fine. There's only six of you. And- uh, yeah, subscribe to where podcasts are found. Leave us a rating and review. <laughs> Tell us why you don't like me. Um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you're listening to it, whatever your podcatcher of choice is, you can get in touch by dndntvpod at gmail.com where you can send us some questions um, f- about the, the series that you'd like us to answer. There's going to be another month or so of these episodes and then we're going to do the wrap up. Um, you can also reach out on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod. We are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service of Melbourne. Come by PAX Oz or in Melbourne at the start of October and you can see the booth and you can maybe even play a game with some of us um, doing some other stuff through ARC. Um, ARC? Yeah, through ARC, Australian role-playing community. What else? Um, every Sunday at Fortress, running games of D&D, probably going to run games elsewhere, so keep an eye on the mastersofalchemy.au page. And that's kind of it. Stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. Um, May all your hits be crits. And kids, don't do shimmer. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.